This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm recording this from uh, the ancestral Campton family home out in Camden. Um, I'm out here helping my mum and my sister out with my sister's kids a little bit. Mm. Um, and I've been watching a lot of Twirly Woos and a lot of Peter Rabbit. And I'm hoping to take the messages from those two fine programs <laughs> into my rugby league analysis because after the last week, I don't think it can get much worse. Yeah, I I, um, I watched Bluey for the first time last night. So, See, my, my, yeah. my sister's eldest is coming up on three. So mm. I think he's even still a bit young for Bluey. It's a good show. I'm sure it is, but Peter Rabbit's a great show. Great messages about friendship and mm. that rabbits are brave and stuff of that nature. And we and you're you're on the veranda. We're getting camped in a la carte here. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the kids are inside running around like mad things. So I've had to mm. decamp to the to the outside. Fantastic. The sun's out and shining, like you might hear some some birds in the distance. Is I this, like this. I, is this what ASMR is? You, Kind of, yeah. You'd have to there whisper a bit more. I don't know okay. if you're capable of ASMR. You have to whisper. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Unless there's an uh, ASMR subgenre of like knocking a bunch of china bowls off a shelf. I haven't, knocked, I haven't knocked anything over in a really long time. I am very proud that. of you. You know that. I am proud of you. But it feels like that wheel is going to turn at some point. But it's weird because you're sitting well, outside with the my, sun. It's good to know that my friends have faith in me. I've always got faith Not in to you. be a drunken oaf. Hey, you don't have to be drunk to knock shit over. You've knocked you just so- said the wheel's going to turn. Yeah, you don't have to be drunk to knock shit over. You've knocked no shit faith. over sober. No faith. Um, but I do. I will say that people can't see this, but you are sitting with the sun in the background. I feel I trust you more. I don't know why. I feel like your takes have <laughs> your takes have more gravitas. I'm like, this guy looks like an angel. He, he, he knows what he's talking about. I'm just more just more well lit than usual. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Latrell is primed for a big game, <laughs> and we will start there. It was funny because we were tossing up whether we do it in person on Thursday or we'd have to do it on Zoom on Friday, and I ended up saying to you, mate, let's just stick to Friday. You never know what kind of news could break on Thursday, Arvo. We don't want to miss another big story like we have done in the last few weeks. And sure enough, Latrell Mitchell out of State of Origin 2, which broke on Thursday afternoon. So fantastic work by us to delay our recording. And yeah, um. A hammer blow for the New South Wales Blues, Nicholas. Uh, yeah, I mentioned on the show earlier this week that um, straight after recording, I was heading out to Coogee to, for a Blues media op to talk to a few of the guys and line some stuff up for some stories and all that. And at those media ops, normally it's every player in the squad's available for about 45 minutes or so and you just walk around and do your best with them. But the only one that wasn't there was Latrell. And not only was he not there, when you asked people where he was, they were all pretty tight-lipped about it. They just sort of said, he's with the physio. And then when you tried to follow up, they kind of just... Not brushed you off, but they changed the subject. And when that happened, it kind of pricked my ears up a little bit that him playing was was probably a lot more unlikely than we were all thinking heading in. Um, I guess all they can do is make the call early and, and get Stephen Crichton in there and try to sort of salvage what's what's going on. I, I, I do think with, with this happening, even though Latrell would have been coming in underdone after not playing for close to a month, it, feel, it seems like the feeling out there is that this was the, the Blues' last best hope was Latrell coming in and saving them like he's Superman. Like every every blues fan, every pundit, every single person I've talked to about this is now like not just putting the nail in the coffin for the blues. They are lowering them down, you know, solemnly, taking off their hats and paying respects to this blues team that looks looks like it has a real rig real, real big mountain to climb on Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I, I'm shocked at, you know, we haven't seen Blues $3 in a betting market since the days of the eight in a row. So, like, for, I mean, I guess that just highlights how big of an impact that is. I'm not sure exactly what they were paying before he got ruled out, but I'm sure. Oh, about 260. About 260, yeah. So there you go. Like, moving, it for, moving a market 40 cents is pretty significant. And, yeah, it, it's tough because you look back at game one and you, you sort of examine everything that went wrong and, we both kind of agreed, and a lot of people that we spoke to about Origin all kind of agreed that like the Blues didn't really have a problem moving the ball. It was execution in the end, and, and we've seen at club level that that's where Latrell's so important. He's not a guy that's there for yardage. He's a guy that you give him the ball in the attacking 20, and good stuff happens. And now they don't have that option, and it's it's kind of worrying. It's kind of concerning to sort of think about where those points are going to come from, because once again, we're sort of going back in now, and you would assume that it would just be Stephen Crichton coming straight back in, and Matt Burton uh, being elevated to 18th men, uh, whether they shuffle that around on the night, we're not sure. But 
you know, it, it's just it's just a struggle to see where the points are going to come from. Like Mitchell Moses is a very good player, but for me, he's more of a he's more of an organizer and a playmaker at this level. I know he is capable of setting up points for Parramatta and does so quite regularly. But you look at that back line now, and it, it, again, it's just it seems like it's going to be more of the same from game one, where it's just a bunch of guys kind of running around, and it's just difficult to see who is going if anyone can step up and be this guy that's sort of going to drag them to a decider and it's kind of a shame that this has happened and now that there's a big big chance that we're sort of going into game three which you and I are both going to be at and it's going to be a dead rubber well I do I I I take your point I do but I I do think people have complete are a little bit too down on the blues at the minute like I know they lost game one and I know it was sort of there to be taken and they didn't put it away but with 15 minutes to go for as bad as they'd played and as poorly as they'd executed, they were in front. You know, it's not like Queensland beat them by 40 or anything like that. And while Latrell Mitchell out is a massive, massive blow, I think the the way that we're talking about it is we're talking about, we were talking about it like Latrell was going to come in like Superman and save the day single-handedly, right? Which I'm not seeing an issue with that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not saying he wasn't capable of doing that. And I'm not saying that wasn't a fair way of assessing the situation, but that's very rarely one games for, for New South Wales sides or mm. for origin sides generally, you know, more often it's a strong team effort that gets the job done. And while again, Latrell dropping out is a massive blow. I still think this is a blues team that has a lot to offer. You know, if they can get a similar dominance in the middle of the field for 60 odd minutes, as they did in game one, if Damian cooks are able to attack up the center third with James Tedesco in tow, which has been a great weapon for the blues over these past few years, I can see a way where they can still, win this game. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not even saying I'm going to tip them, but the eulogies being, being written already. And yeah. sort of some of the, I honestly would, I would honestly say it's getting to hysterical levels, the way New South Wales people are reacting to, to how this team's going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's always, there's always going to be backlash when you, when you lose a game, right? That's fine. That's just part of, that's part of what makes origin great, right? As people care about it so much. But I do think that a majority of the New South Wales fans like it's it, it's all it like they're almost waiting for this to happen, you know. And I think some of them are actually reveling in it a little bit because mm. I think so much of rugby league down here is based around tribalism, right? And I think everybody always puts their own club and their own crew first. And to me, I know we talk about New South Wales not getting origin, but to me, that is honestly the biggest difference between New South Wales and Queensland. Queensland always come together, no matter the odds. And the more the odds are against them, the more they come together. Like, imagine if the script was flipped here. Actually, we don't have to imagine it because we can think about the decider last year when Cam Munster, Queensland's best player, got ruled out. And what happened? All of Queensland rallied together. Not one of them came in thinking, we're going to lose. What's the point? Rah, rah, rah. Mm. And the team, I think the team takes strength from those sorts of things because the culture of the team flows from the culture of the state, which flows from the culture of the people. You know, Queensland, like, I'm not saying Queensland would love it if one of their best players got injured, but. No, but they are definitely better suited to adapt. But you, yeah, but you can see that, like, when you know, say, say someone's in doubt or someone might be injured, and they all get they all get up for it. They all love it. They're like, oh yeah, no one believes it. It's like they had mm. that obsession they have with being the underdog, yeah. right? It it really does drive them to to a better performance. And the Blues, the second that there's a bit of adversity against them, mm. everyone turns on them. You're right because it's not it's not the same. It's it there's there's two ways you can handle adversity, and one of them is to sort of adopt this siege mentality that Queensland do so often, and the. And then the Blues have gone the other route, which is just to panic and run around screaming. And yeah, you're well, right. When I, because... when, I, when I say the Blues, I more mean like the 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 New South Wales in general. And no, I'm I get saying... I get what you mean. I get I, don't, I get what you mean. You're talking about the the attitudes of, yeah. of people, not 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 at the top, of, but just everyone, the fans, yeah, everybody. And I'm and... not I'm not saying that we need to cheerlead. I'm not saying that we have to you know stand and salute every decision that Freddie makes. I'm not saying anything like that. If you mm. disagree with the team, that's great. If you're not into it, that's fine. But it's also like, there's a reason we play these games, man. You know, and I know. Still got to play tough. the game. Still got to play the game. Queensland at Suncorp is in, like, it's incredibly difficult to beat. It's almost impossible. I'm probably not going to tip him to do it, but you got to give him a chance. Well, gotta, dude, it's, you I, give him a shot, I, you know? I know it's not an exact science, but like, I mean, I, I don't follow that many news pages on, on Facebook for a variety of reasons, but I still have the Herald as like a liked page on my Facebook. So I see posts when they come up and the post came up when, when the troll was ruled out and sort of every comment. And again, I know it's not an exact science, but every, every comment was like either saying this could be, this is great. It'll get rid of Fitler or it, it was calling Latrell lazy or it was criticizing Souths for, 
their relationship with the Blues. It was one of those three genres of comment through from top to bottom. And if you contrast that with, again, if you if you'd gone to the Courier Mail comment section after Munster had been ruled out last year, none of that would have been being said. It would have been backs to the wall. We've got this. Tommy Dearden can come in. He can do this. It would have been self belief. It would have been it would have been that siege mentality that you talked about. And instead, this is this the defeatist attitude that people have this this as soon as something goes wrong that sort of just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at a point and so now we're left with a blues team who and again it's not everything and people like to pretend that they don't look at outside noise but they do everybody every athlete that says they don't look at twitter or social media is lying they all do and in a case where queensland would look at external sources and find sort of belief and draw something from that Blues players are going to see nothing but nihilism and defeatism from the people that are supposed to be cheering them on. And of course, that's not going to be the difference between winning and losing, but it's it's still a, it, it's, it's a minute factor at the very least. And it's something that, yeah, it, it's just something that fascinates me because you wouldn't see this from the people up north. No, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that Origin got bigger and bigger and bigger every year during the streak as Queensland got better and the blues got worse, the games somehow got bigger. And I think that's because both States settled into what seems to be their natural habitat, right? Queensland's was winning. Okay. And the blues was the blues was hating each other and tearing each other down and ripping each other apart. And you know, why did the, why did the guys from this club, let every, why did they let the state down? Why didn't we get this guy in? All right, this guy's in now. Why did he let us down? Let's get someone else in, you know? That dis that dysfunction that sort of um that's that sort of self in, self inflicted hmm. rage that's self sabotage that's kind of what New South Wales does better than almost yeah. any sports team I've ever seen you know and that's not a shot at anyone who was in the setup that's just sort of I think a knock on effect from the way that and a lot of people you know in a lot of a lot of uh, fans and a lot of media talk about the team you know like Queensland is one cohesive state right. And New South Wales just isn't as much. New South Wales is a collection of cities and suburbs and towns. Like, imagine if, you, like, how many, like, if you talk to someone and you ask them where they're from, they're a Queenslander. They'll say, "Yeah, I'm a Queenslander, right?" Yeah. If you ask me where I'm from, I never say I'm a New South Welshman, right? No, I say I'm from Camden. I'm not from yes. New South Wales. I'm from Camden. You know. Correct. And that's the that's the difference. That's the difference. That's when we talk about not getting origin. That's the thing that the that New South Wales doesn't and probably can't ever get mm. because of the way the game down. And here. I, and I've thought this is true for a really long time. It's just this Latrell stuff is a great opportunity to dig into it a little bit deeper, you know, and it's sort of the culmination of the vicious cycle that, that, that always seems to happen when the blues run up against it, you know, Queenslanders, Queensland rally behind their team. Um, and the blues, when, when the team asks them to rally behind you, we stab, we like, we kill, we stab them in the back. Yeah. It's, you know, it's brutal. We can't wait to tear them down. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong because I think it's just a lot of it is upbringing, right? Because like, again, like the average Queenslander, I'm not going to speak for all of them, but the average Queenslander cares more about origin than they do about their club team winning the NRL. And I've always well, found that in, and I've always, and I've, and I've always found that insane. And it, it goes back to sort of when we were growing up, like those blues teams during the eight in a row, it's like, I'm a South fan, right? I want South to win the comp. You expect me to sort of put that on hold for two months and cheer for Greg Bird, Mitchell Pierce, Paul Gallen, and a bunch of Dragons and Roosters players. It made no sense to me. And that's just not something that comes into a Queenslander's brain. They'll happily cheer Cowboys and Dolphins players as a Broncos fan or vice versa. And I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but I just think it's the way things are. Well, it, it's 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 like you say, I can understand. Like, no one's asking you to put it aside, though. It's about mm. caring about two things at once. Which I'm know? just not, about... I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not capable of doing it. And I've said that to you before. Yeah. Like I, I can't do it. And yeah, it seems like Queenslanders about, are better at doing it. It's about coming, like coming together. Mm. I mean, together. And this is something that New South Wales has found really, really hard to do. And we can sometimes do it for a game or God forbid a series, but it always averages out to something like this where the chips are down and we all turn on each other. Yep. We want to kill each other. You know, mm. anyway, that was all a very conceptual from a footy perspective. I think Crichton, Crichton coming in, it's, it's kind of like with game one, he's much more of a finisher than he is a creator. So I think there's more of an onus on the men inside him to, to create chances for him down that left side. Um, I think that's something they'll probably be able to do with, with most. I think they're going to change the way they play a little bit. I think they're going to be a little bit more direct to their hearts rather than shuffling through 
passing in the middle um, a lot more. I think I, I looked up the stats the other day. I think Isaiah Yo had 13 or 14 passes in origin one. I think Pat Carrigan only had four, you know, and I think that's a measure of how Queensland, instead of shuffling the ball across the line through forwards, we're just zipping it straight out to the halves and letting them create. And I think in origin, which is a faster game than club level, that's kind of what you have to do. Um, so I guess the big onus is on, is on their creative players is on, you know, Moses and Luai and to a lesser extent, Cook and Tedesco. And then to even on Robson as well, to just get the ball straight out to those guys, give them the chances to, to do stuff. Um, but yeah, th- yeah, there you go. I I, I thought go, Crichton, go, go Birdo, get him in. There. I thought Crichton did it. I was, well, that's, that was back to my point. I said, I was going to say, I thought Crichton gave a very good account of himself in game one, but if you need someone with a bit more playmaking in that back line, maybe they do just, maybe they do make the late switch and maybe Matt Burton does come into the team. It's what I wanted from the start. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be an interesting gamble on Brad Fittler's part for me. Like it would just give them that point of difference that I think that they need in the, in the back line. But yeah, look, I, I don't know if they'll, and you, you got to remember like that, that left him playing on that side with Luai was very, very potent for Penrith before he moved to the Bulldogs. And, you know, you talk about combinations. That was a combination that like helped them win a comp. I mean, he scored a, tr- he scored a try in the grand final playing, playing left center off Luai. So it's it, to me, I don't know, like it, it is a gamble, but it's, it's one that you've got to at least think about making given that if you just kind of now running it back with pretty much the same back line as game one, bar a different halfback, then you can't be too shocked if the results are the same. Well, I, I take your meaning, um, and I'm a massive Burton fan, but his time in the centres at Penrith, he wasn't really known as a creator, was he? He was there as a runner, right, working working off Luai. So I, I imagine even if he was to come in, apart from putting up a few of his, like, thunderblast torpedo bombs, I don't know how much actual playmaking he'd really he'd really be getting in, you know? He gives them, he gives them cover as well if something does happen to somebody else. But anyway, it, it's 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 just something that I think that they should think about between now and Wednesday. But we'll uh, we'll preview Origin after this weekend's games. We do have a uh, a small quintet of uh, NRL fixes to get to. But before we do that, try try this is a try brilliant brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. G. What about this bloke? If you are a new listener this year, this is our new weekly segment called What About This Bloke, where we take a trip down memory lane talking about a rugby league player, usually from the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, someone you might have forgotten about. And when we talk about him, you go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I don't know if this is a new segment anymore. We're halfway we're halfway through the season. I think it's just a segment. I think it's just a part of us. Yeah, but I say this the, the same thing every week, and then you say the one of my favorite things to do every week, and then that's what we do. I don't know why you're jamming me up live No, it's on just, air. I'm, I'm just, you know. All right, just I'll, I'll, adapt, we'll, we'll put it back the in the flight, writer's room for next week. But now, <laughs> we'll now you say the same fucking thing you say every week. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Sitting around and naming old footy players is one of the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, a special treat for me, treasured listener, Dave, an OG, an OG listener, a day one. I'm just going to turn of, my microphone off for this one. One of the, <laughs> one of the great Raiders men who's ever been around the place. He has nominated Phil Graham. Phil Graham. So... Phil Graham was a, a, a center winger. He's from somewhere in country near South Wales, I think out Tamworth way. And he sort of came through the Raiders in the early 2000s. And there were two things about him. One, he had massive jug ears. And two, he was fast as hell. He was so fast. Fast as hell. And Phil Graham sort of came through the Raiders when I was about 10 or 11 and starting to to really sort of watch him a lot more regularly, a lot more close, a lot sort of closer to the way that I watch him now. And he was one of those first players who I would watch every week for Canberra. And I would be convinced, I was convinced that if he played in Sydney, he would be an absolute mm. superstar. He would be an, he would be a gun. He'd be playing origin. He'd be playing for Australia. Everyone would know his game. He'd be a massive, massive star. Right. And those are the things that you think about when you're a young man and you go for a team that's not that big in Sydney. But this morning, looking at some of the numbers he put up, I might've actually been right 
11 year old Campton might've, might've nailed this one. So like as a rookie in 2002, in a pretty bad Canberra team, he scored 13 tries in 16 games. Mm-hmm. The next year he scored 11 in 17 games. The following season sort of wiped him out for injury, but then 2005, 12 in 19 games and 2006, 11 in 19 games. A regular try scorer in pretty some good. pretty ratchet teams there. And like he was, he could play on the wing, but he was an out and out center. He could create stuff with his speed. And he was one of those guys who just seemed to have a knack for big plays. Was great on intercepts, you know, could really time his, his time himself well with that one. Was really great at sort of running down the running down the wing and then kicking inside for support players. He just had a real knack for that, for getting the ball where it had to go. Finished up pretty pretty badly for him in Canberra. He missed almost all of the 2008 season. Um, he found out he had an, an irregular heartbeat mm. and he had to go. I think he got heart surgery at some point. So that sort of wiped him out. Came back strong in 2010. Pretty good season. Played mainly on the wing. Memorably scored four tries in a 56-0 win over the Broncos, which was a seminal moment in my young life. But then he went to the Roosters the next year, right? And he played 23 games in 2010 and was in the team nearly all season until the preliminary final when a couple of injuries knocked him out. And I was vindicated because he had a great year for a pretty good Roosters team. And all of a sudden, everyone was talking about Phil Graham, but real heads knew. Real heads always knew that Phil Graham had the juice. So, you know, I, I was a longtime Phil Graham fan and I actually do have a Phil Graham anecdote. So oh, do, yeah. do you remember Virtual NRL? No, but run me through it. Okay, so Virtual NRL was like one of the OG fantasy NRL games. It was a lot more crude than like Supercoach and any of the things we have today. But basically, there was like you 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 had you just had a thirteen of players. You had to have a one in each position. That that sort of stuff. But basically, the only ways to score tries were actual tries, and forwards also got forward tries if they hit a particular threshold of like tackles and hit ups or something. So like Cameron Smith got a forward try every week, or like Luke Stewart would get me forward tries for Seattle week. But Phil Graham became one of my favorite players because I had him as a, as a hidden gem in my, when I drafted him in, in year seven in 2002. And then I had him again in 2003. And I remember one week I actually had to email virtual NRL for a <laughs> stat correction because Phil Graham scored two tries in a game for the Raiders against Penrith. And they only gave him one and it ended up costing me my matchup. So I had to email them and get it fixed. And they, they, and hey, I was right. He scored two tries. So and I got it fixed. And okay, um, yeah. so you you won on that occasion, but in emailing someone to correct a fantasy score, did you actually lose? No, because I was a. Child. You may have won. You <laughs> may have won in the game of virtual NRL, but did you lose in the game of life? No, I, I was <laughs> I was thirteen. I had nothing going on, so <laughs> I think it's fine. I think it's play on. But yeah, that, so I was big fan of him for that reason. And yeah, you're right. He was just one of those guys that just like. When you watched him, you went, shit, that guy's fast. Yeah. Which is hard to, which sounds stupid, but there's just guys that have that. And he had it. Matt Reek yeah. had it as well. But uh, Matt, Reek, Matt Reek had it in droves. But yeah, after 2010, I think Graham had one more year for the Roosters, then a year with the Titans, and then sort of finished up. Um, but a very, very respectable career, a very underrated player throughout his time with the Raiders. Got a country origin jersey, which is great for you. And what about this guy? Absolutely. Credentials. Um, and now I think he's a, I think he's a fiery or something oh, that's up, cool. on the, up on the Goldie still. So I, just living, I, living a great life. This is a strange thing. I don't know why someone's done this. So Phil Graham played 111 games for the Raiders, right? And it's yep. on rugby league project and he scored 68 tries. Um, on his Wikipedia, someone's just changed the number of tries from 68 to 103. That might've been me. Okay. <laughs> we can't rule it out. <laughs> So just like, fake, just fake, fake newsing the world into. Yeah, I'm not sure why they've done that because I opened his Wikipedia page to, before this, and like I was like, oh shit, 103 tries in 111 games, like that does not seem right. No. Which would be a try game in the centers mostly for the Raiders, who were not well, that for the good Raiders in the early to mid 2000s. Yeah, where, that would know, be like... that would be quite the feat. I think like I think um like a young GI or Izzy Filao would have struggled to put up a try game in those Raiders <laughs> team. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, guarantee, I'll guarantee there's some Raiders fanatic who said, you know what? There was no justice for Phil Graham in his time, but there is, ju- but I can take some justice right now. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> no one's edited it and I'm certainly not going to edit it. So yeah, it feels true. It does. Who's up next week? Next week, another beloved patron. All our patrons are beloved, but some are more beloved than others. Oh, wow. Dear, uh, our dear friend, Stu. Oh, yep. Yeah, so Stu's a, Stu's a good night man. He's a good, good nights man. So I'm assuming we'll be taking a trip up the F3 next week. If we don't, get Kirk, if we don't get Kirk Reynolds, then I'm, I'm right. No, he's, <laughs> I think he's almost too well known because he had the beard, right? 
Mm. Old Kirk. I'm not sure. You know what? I think enough time has passed and beards have become so common now mm. that uh, I think we'll be able to get away with it. All right. Well, that, that sounds good. And remember, if you want to nominate a guy in the future, patreon.com forward slash NRLBM rookies. Okay. We have five rugby league games to talk about. That's not a lot of games, Nicholas. And we don't even have one from last night to talk about either. Well, what did you do last night? Because I, all week, thought the Ashes started last night. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, it's fine. No footy. Ashes starts. No, I had to watch Australia play Argentina in a friendly at like 10.30. Disgusting. To... Yeah, perverted. No, what did I do? I, I went to footy training and then I came back and uh, just caught up on some on a bit more Peter Rabbit. Fantastic. With my, um, with my nephew, Freddie. All right, so we're starting tonight. Just again, what am I going to do from six pm to eight pm? I'm just going to wander around like George Michael Bluth in that scene in Arrested Development. Just stare into the, just stare yeah. into the void. Uh, Cowboys hosting the uh, Origin depleted Panthers. Uh, so this will be Penrith's annual reserve grade shellacking at the hands of a team that's kind of good, I think. You know, bro, the Panthers are favourites in this. What? I know the Panthers are. Well, I guess Cowboys have a lot of outs too. Don't they're they? a dollar. They're a dollar seventy one. They're about a dollar sixty last night. Um, but I think that's people just betting on the badge rather than looking at the team because mm. apart from James Fisher-Harris, Spencer Lenu, and Dylan Edwards, it's not the strongest looking team in the mm. world. There's a lot of guys there that do a fine job, sort of stitching together between Pen- the, the superstars that Penrith usually have. But like a halves combo of Jack Cogger and Jamin Salmon, they've got Peachy back out in the centers. You know, they've got, they've got, um, I just don't know where, I don't know if they've got a heap of creativity in them. I, I think that they're, they're always too tough and too well drilled to be totally blown out, even if it is a reserve grade team. And like, but, and even though the Cowboys have a lot of guys out, they still have a really strong back row in Lukey, Leilua and Tal Malolo. They still have their first choice harsh pairing in Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden. They still have got drink water at the back. So that's still, there's still some instant points there and they're up at home as well. You know? So even if, with all the outs, you saw this as a coin flip. Mm. I think because the cows are at home and because they do have just a few more of their big guns there. Yeah. I quite, I quite, I quite like them to spring the upset in this one. And I know tipping upsets didn't do me well last week, but that's the Nicky Zags lifestyle. You got to mm. keep zagging. You can't stop zagging. You can't. Um, it's zag yeah. life, baby. You're right. You looked at, I looked at the outs at the top of the team list for the Cowboys and you're like, oh shit, that's a bunch of good players. But then you scroll down the, the team list and there's still some very sharp customers there. And most notably, as you said, Jason Tamalolo being there is gigantic. And you just wonder how uh, I was sort of like, are we going to like, I, what the one thing I'm kind of excited to see is in this game is maybe more minutes for Spencer Lenu. We're going to see maybe more of what he might be at the Roosters next year, because he is starting in this game as it stands. The team is might change between now and kickoff, but with a couple of those guys not being there, there is going to be more sort of pressure on him and James Fisher Harris to shoulder that load and sort of lead from the front. So I'm excited to see what we get from him, maybe playing 45, 50 minutes. And on the other side, yeah, Tamalolo versus Fisher Harris is going to be awesome. That's two of the best, probably five middles in the game today. Um, smash it into each other should be good. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I like the Cowboys. I know you look at their back line and it's not real. Like their one through five is not really, I don't know if there's, I don't know if you could say they have an advantage there. I think that Edwards and Drinkwater are both great players. Edwards is obviously a more well-rounded player, but then you look through the two through five and there's a lot of guys that aren't sort of picking up any, any sort of stumps there in any great regard. But yeah, they've got, like, they've definitely got an edge in the halves. Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend against the halves combination of Jamin Salmon and Jack Cogger in a team that is probably, if they don't lose the forward battle, they're not going to win it. They're, they're the very best. They're going to sort of put up a score draw or something like that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I like the Cowboys in this one. Um, I think home field, couple of, couple, just a couple more quality players than the Panthers. So, yeah, I'll take them as well. Yeah, well, that Edwards Drinkwater head-to-head battle, I think is a good example of what I'm talking about. So, like, Edwards is a better player, no doubt in the world. But because Drinkwater is a more creative player and can set things up for people around yeah. him, that's the sort of thing that I think gives the Cowboys an edge. Because as good as Edwards is, he isn't as much of a he isn't that much of a no, he isn't as much all. of a creator. So without the without the other good players there to create stuff for him, for him to to finish or to play his part in, he'll still be effective. But I just don't think he'll be as damaging. And I think there's a couple examples like that across the park. So saddle up, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Mm. Having a big and rich time up in Townsville. Um, for, can you name the four? The Reese Robbins, the fourth cowboy to play Origin for the Blues. Can you name the other three? Okay, the, so the fourth cowboy is Reese Robson. Did get them all, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm not as good on this stuff as I. 
used to be. Um, can you give me a clue? Uh, two of them are like relatively recent and you should get them. And the other one is from the nineties. The one from the nineties. Yeah. How's a bloke getting picked for the Cowboys from well, the Cowboys to the blues in the nineties? Well, did you, we got to move on. So if you don't know it, I'll just, I'll just, just yeah, I'll be sitting So, I mean, it was, um, James Tarmow and Luke O'Donnell were the two yep. I thought you'd get. And the other one. So Tim Brasher left the South, left, oh, the, Rab- yeah, of left the Rabbitohs when they got kicked out of the comp and went to the Cowboys and played Origin in 2000 as the Cowboys fullback, which I only oh. knew because of the South connection. So 2000 isn't the 90s though. Well, I mean, the football died if not, in 1999. If not for, if not for, if not for oh, that. Yeah, I'm sure you would have. I couldn't say exactly the year 2000. It would have been too much of it. Anyway, but yeah, it was funny because that was said on, um, I think that was said on the Phil Gould show and then Phil Gould didn't remember Tim Brasher being in the team despite being the coach of that team. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, the Knights, they are warm favorites against the Roosters. Yes, yes. Well, the Knights have been quite strong um, at home this year. They're relatively unaffected by origin. They've only got Tyson Frizzell out. So they've still got the Safidis. They've still got Kalen Ponga. They were quite, they've still got Dan Gogo. They were quite good last week. And I can't believe I'm doing this, but I must. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. Train Cup. I'm cold training them. I'm cold training them. I'm doing right. it. I'm doing it. I, I I can't sit. I can't just keep sitting around waiting for the Roosters to rebound and turn into the team that I thought they were going to be at the start of the season. And when you take Tedesco out of the side, even though Manu's going back to fullback and Sandon Smith's in at halfback, and I think that will make them a little bit more effective. I just think the Knights are going to have some sort of dynamic qualities that the Roosters have really struggled to match in recent weeks. And I think they're really going to struggle to match in this one as well, especially we get a big rowdy Hunter stadium crowd, which I think we're going to get because it's a Saturday afternoon, you know, and the team's, you know, given a good account of themselves over the last couple of weeks. I think they're going to Newcastle this one right up, you know? Yeah. They've had some decent showings against the Roosters in the last couple of years as well. So and I hope I'm remembering that correctly and I'm not Warriors storming that, but it does feel like they have beaten them a couple of times in recent history. Well, they, they beat, remember they beat them in the season opener last yep. year. Yeah. Um, and then they had a really, really, it's a while ago now, but 2019, they had a really good win over them as well. It was like one of their best wins in, in decades almost. Mm. So that's four years, so that's a, that's a pretty big sample size. But they have had some nice performances against them in the past. There's been a few shellackings in there as well, but yeah, I, they have been able to rise to the I occasion. Did it, I did it again. <laughs> they, they they did win that opener last year, but the five games either side of that was a 30-point loss in the rematch later that year, a 20-point loss in 2021, a 34-point loss in 2021, a 30-point loss, and a 38-point loss in, 20, in 2020 and 2019. And that then bad? that 20... No, it's not good. And then, yeah, <laughs> then that twenty, then that twenty nineteen win against them that you just mentioned, and then again another six consecutive wins for the Roosters before that, all very comfortably. So it's not quite. No, Storm I almost Warriors. it was Storm Warriors did again. But no, no, no. You know what? You almost storms what almost Storm Warriors did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So a couple of things I'm intrigued by. So we're finally getting the Sanded Smith experience at halfback, and as you said. Uh, last week, look, you don't. We don't know uh, much about him as a player, but what we do know is he's a halfback, and Joey Manu is not. So Joseph Manu going back to fullback. That's more a necessity this week. So we'll see whether he goes back to the centres next week or goes back to the halves if if this is successful. Um, and then yeah, Nat Butcher named it props Attili Tupanua uh, in the back row. That that you'd imagine that could change around before kickoff as well. I did take Nat Butcher on a technicality in front row Friday, but um, uh, take oh, it up, you take, low down dog. Take it, take it up with the board, mate. Take you load if he if he starts on an edge, your pick is invalid. That's not how it works. I think it is. I think you keep making up these rules because you know that I'm going to run you down. Hang you on, didn't let you didn't <laughs> let me pick Josh Papali'i last week, and now you're just making up more rules so you can get guys who play in the back row. And Excuse me, what tries. rule am I making up here? I picked a guy who's named it prop to be a. What if he's not prop. named it prop? He was. What if he gets switched, dude? I, I picked Spencer Lenu and he got ruled out an hour later. That happens. Them's the breaks. You live you live by the team list and you die by the team list. Feels like you're manipulating the rules to keep uh to keep the true front rowers down. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. That's that's it's not what very this front is all row about. Friday of you. Yeah, what you, as I said on the well, as I said on the video, what are you gonna do? Put me in prop jail? I'd do poorly in prop jail. <laughs> um but it's, yeah, uh I wouldn't say it's last chance to win for the roosters, but 
with just two guys out for Origin, this is a this is and against a against a Knights team who are missing Greg Marzu because he missed the team bus. Oh Amazing. yeah, that's fantastic. That's great stuff. <laughs> I haven't had a proper like player being dropped for being a shithead story in a while. <laughs> like a good natured one as well. Not like a not like a bad rugby league story. Just a funny. Bad you live, rugby league story. You live by the meathead, you die by the meathead, bro. Like, that's, like, that's, so just good. How, that's just how it breaks sometimes. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of a reshuffle for the Roosters. Billy Smith in the centers, Manu at fullback. Um, yeah, if if things are gonna start clicking for them, you want to at least even if you don't win this game, you want to at least see some promising signs with sort of a with your new look potential your potential new look Harbs combination. Yeah, I, I like the addition of Nalfahu White at lock. He's not someone who's played a lot of first grade, but in the glimpses he has played, I've been quite impressed with him. He's a, a really big unit who's got pretty good hands and pretty nice footwork as well. I think he's been doing really well for the for the Bears in reserve grade, so I'm excited to see him get a chance, and maybe he can sort of give their middle a bit more of an athletic quality than it's sort of had in the, in the last few weeks when they kind of have been worked all over the place a little bit. No Matt Lodge, which I think it's, pretty clear how quickly the roosters have soured on him. He won't be there next year. And I think it'll only be some injuries that get him back into the first grade side this year. So they have made some changes that I like, but sitting here waiting for things to, I've, I've grown old sitting here waiting for them things to turn around. So yeah. maybe what they need is, is the motivation of me training against them. Maybe it's that's true. the bulletin board material they've been waiting for to, I, I hope to fire so. up and save their season. I hope so, but yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Roosters in this one, but I'm not not cold trading them. And despite only having five games, we're still managing to have a Super Saturday. So manly, does this live up to the Super Saturday title? Like, does well, it really? It is technically a three Saturday, a three game Saturday. So yes, but maybe in name only, right? But yeah, manly traveling to Parramatta uh, to reignite that rivalry. Um, yeah, so no Mitchell Moses, no Junior Balo for Parramatta, no Daly Cherins, no Tom Tabohovic for Manly. Some pretty big outs for both teams, I think it's fair to say. But they Correct. almost kind of cancel each other out. But we, I am very excited to see Ryan Madison play 5-8. Well, he was a 5-8 coming through the juniors. There was one memorable occasion when he was playing under 20s. When he was playing 5-8 and a mate of mine was playing for the Storm. Shout out Billy Kitt. And Ryan Madison was as big as he is. Well, he was as tall as he is now, right? He probably wasn't as ripped up, but he put up a big torpedo. He put up a big torpedo bomb, really got under it. Like got a bit, it got pretty airborne with the kick. Bill's run through to try and put pressure on him. And like Madison's hip slash ass has caught Billy in the face and knocked him out. Wow. So yeah. So Ryan Madison playing five, eight has the power to knock people out with his ass. Good on him. Tread carefully, Manly. All right, well, that's manly have, manly have the blueprint. Don't uh, <laughs> don't headbutt his ass. Good to know. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, look, it's it's uh, like like you like you say, Manly losing their their two best players essentially, and Para losing who I would say is their two best players. It then comes down to the quality of the rest of the roster around them, and you would think Parramatta has the edge there. They've still got Campbell Gillard. They've still got Jermaine Hopgood. They've still got their strike players out wide, intact. Dejan Arce is still in the halves. I thought he was really impressive in the win over Canterbury on Monday. This is obviously a really big step up because I think he's going to have to control things a lot more. But I think with Brendan Hand starting at hooker again is a good is a good thing for them. I think we've all sort of seen how how much they improve when Hands comes on the field this season. So I think more minutes for him can only be a good thing. I'm I'm leaning Parramatta on this one just because Manly find it so hard to cover the absence of Cherry Evans and Trebojevic week to week. But as I've said a few times, I've gotten so much wrong with Manly this year. I feel like every week I tip them, they fall over. Every week I tip against them, they win. So there's every chance that they just continue this bizarre, um, this bizarre sort of kinmanship that we got at the moment where my doubts make them stronger, but my faith makes them weaker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They've still got Ola Kowatu, who I think has been pretty quiet since he um, ended up missing out on selection or on Origin one, I think they'd be looking for a real a, a nice bounce back from him. Um, I, I, I would like I'd like to see a little bit more for for ball for Samuel Afanu on the on the edge as well. I feel like getting it Bryce Cartwright and getting it Andrew Davy the two places where they can find a little bit of joy. Um, but I th- and but I think the real big key for them for Manly they want to win this is they need Schuster to ball out. We 
pretty much. You know, he's the one that strikes me as having the creativity and the points in him and all of that. And Jake Arthur, I think, can do an okay job of, of getting him around the park, but they need Schuster to, to, we are, to really start grilling here. We are poised for potentially the funniest revenge game in the history of rugby league if Jake Arthur balls out. As the I have booze, liked how lippy he's as been this the week. booze rain down on him from well, those I did like it how lunatics. He, I liked how he was sledging his old boy this week. He said and he's calling him baldy. He was saying he was rattled. It was good I, areas. I fucking love it. I it really want. Stuff. I really want him to play well. I really just want him to be the best player in the field as as Parramatta fans' brains explode. It would um, it would it would be nice to see him go all right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough to really get a proper read on this game because yeah, you're right. You you'd expect Josh Houston to be the guy stepping up and sort of leading from the front but yeah you look across both teams and Gutherson aside like there's not a whole lot of playmakers really uh that is sort of doing it at a consistent level week to week aside, aside from Gutherson we know Schuster has the ability but he can he can fade in and out of games so if he can step up and take this one by the scruff of the neck I think Manly can win it but I think Parramatta probably even without Baolo they get Campbell they've still got Campbell Gillard there I think even without Baolo they've probably still got a They've probably still got a slight edge in the forwards, and I like their back line a little bit more. So I'm going to take Parramatta in a close one. I will too, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some late changes for Parra. So they've yeah. got Wunga Blake and Sean Lane on an extended bench, and there's a few things I could see happening. I could see Madison going to second row, Cartwright going to six. I could see Madison dropping back to the bench, Cartwright playing six and Lane playing second row. Or I could even see... Gutherson playing six, Simonson playing fullback, Madison dropping into the bench or either into the forwards, and then Wunga Blake coming in at either centre or wing. So I feel like depending on the fitness of those two guys, it could be a very different Parramatta team that runs out to the one that's been named. You've got a lot of guys who can kind of cover the missing positions, you know? So I think it'll really depend on the fitness of, of, of Lane and, and if they want to bring Wunga Blake in. And then I think that'll determine what team we see from Para. But based on talent alone, rather than the fit for that talent, I'm taking Para as well. Yeah. Um, all right. And now the third and final game of our Super Saturday name only. The West Tigers, their final game of the season at Campbelltown, hosting the Melbourne Storm. Um, a, a lot of big outs for, Para, for the Tigers since their last game. No Brooks, no Utukamanu, no Dane, uh, no Api Korosau. Uh, and on the other side, obviously, Cameron Munster not playing, um, Harry Grant not playing, Xavier Coates not playing, and no Eli Katoa, Christian Welch either. So, yeah, some very depleted squads here, but um, Melbourne will still come into this game sort of with their tails up and thinking that they can get the job done. This is a funny one to me because you look at that Tigers pack and even without Utu Kamani, you're like, wow, that's pretty that's pretty solid. They've been playing John Bateman as a middle the last couple of weeks. I actually quite like that for them, I think. On good days, that'll toughen up their metal and give them a little bit more creativity in there, which is, I think, something that they've really needed. But then you look at the halves and, you know, Stafford Toa is the best center in the world. Let's not kid ourselves. True. But even the best center in the world can struggle to switch to 5-8, you know? And Brandon Wakeham had a real, real shocker last week. I, he's had some okay games this year, but I think the the rigors of a long season are starting to wear on him. A little bit. Um, they still have Jareen Buller at the back, of course, but I think the problem for them is going to be creativity, right? It's going to be points. Where are the points going to come from? And even when they won a couple of games this year, there were times when points didn't exactly flow easily. So I can see them wanting to play this one really tied up the guts. And I think that's an area where they'll think that they can really match it with Melbourne, who, while they have a Cypher Solar Minor and Kamakamitha, I think once you get outside those two starters, there might be a bit of an underbelly that the Tigers are going to be able to attack. But having said that, the Storm, I think, will have the creative edge and the strike edge, and that's mainly because of Jerome Hughes, who's the best spine player on the field by a distance, was excellent last week in the big win over the Sharks. So this, to me, then turns into a, it turns into a coin flip. I think both sides are well poised to attack the other's weakness. And it's more about just who gets the better of that weakness, who whose who's yeah. strength is able to punish the other team a little bit more. You know, I I had briefly considered Coltraining Melbourne, but yeah, like looking and yeah, Jerome Hughes is definitely by distance the best spine player in this game. But you look at the you look at the forward packs, and I think that Nas aside, like I think the Tigers genuinely have an advantage there. I think this is a game where they can really get on the front foot, and if they can 
dominate the middle and sort of get enough good ball, they will eventually score some points. And so I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they can grind out a gritty sort of 14-10 win or something like that. I feel like if they get dragged into a shootout, there's there's no chance that they can hang with Melbourne if, if the game goes that way. But if, if they can keep this game in check and sort of just keep it low scoring, I think there's a world where they can where they can spring an upset here. Well, that kind of compete and complete football is what w- worked really well for them against Penrith and against the, against the Dragons mm-hmm. and um, even against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago when they were unlucky to be behind by as much as they were. And they kind of went away from that in the, in the loss to the Titans. So I would be hoping that they can get back to that a little bit and try and really grind this one out. I think the, the storm are are an interesting team to me because it's clear that they have it in them to be close to top quality, right? Like of there's, there's that breakaway pack with the three top teams. I think the storm would really fancy their chances of being that last team to make the top four. And it's clear that they have that sort of football in them. Like you could see it in patches last week and we've seen it in other patches this year. But to me, it feels like every time they have one of those really good performances, they, they fail to, to back it up. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about the great win they had over Souths earlier this year. You know what I mean? Or the, or the, or the big win last week. They, they have these, these individual matches, but then it almost feels like they end up resetting. And then Craig Bellamy's sitting there in a press conference after they've lost a game, they should have won. And he says, I don't know what's happening. So I actually think the more important thing for the storm in this game, and it's, it's bigger than the result, the results almost secondary with all the guys that they have out. I think the big thing for them is just putting in something close to an 80 minute effort. And even if they get done on a couple, on a couple of 50 fifties in terms of points or bounces or something like that, I think what Bellamy would really want to see is just them sort of building into this game with their effort, you know, in, in, in that typical Melbourne storm fashion that we've seen for so many years, but we just haven't seen as much this year. You know, I think this is, this game is more about setting up next week and the next week and the next week than it actually is about, about winning this game because like how, like a, a, a team a team develops good habits by doing the good things over and over and over again. And the Storm this year have been a team that have developed some bad habits and they haven't been as ruthless and they haven't been as consistent as we have seen in the past, you know? So the Storm also really pride themselves on how they go without their origin players and always putting in a performance like that, a really grafting tough performance, even if the quality maybe isn't there. So I actually think it's it's important for them to sort of find that resolve and I think that's more important than than how they go on the score sheet this week. So I'm interested to see mm-hmm. what sort of effort they're able to summon in that regard. Yeah, it's it's. A, I think of all the games this weekend, this is probably the toughest to get a read on. Um, but then again, we do love the Tigers, and we could just as easily be sitting here at nine thirty on Saturday night with Melbourne winning like thirty four nil. So who the hell knows? Yeah, I'll 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 take I'll take the Tigers just Look because it's a Campbelltown. Why not? Uh, sure. Why not? Um. And finishing off again, one game on, one game on Sunday, and it doesn't look like it's going to be a great one. Uh, the Sharks hosting the Bulldogs at Shark Park. No Josh Adokar and no Matt Burton uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, Cronulla at full strength, bar a Royce Hunt injury, because of course Nico Hines not playing Origin. So yeah, I, I could not be much less enthused for this. I think it's going to be a bit of a cakewalk for Cronulla. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I think in not making any changes from the team, they got smacked by Melbourne last week. Craig Fitzgibbon is opting to try and show confidence in them to try and, you know, get so showing confidence in them so they can get some confidence back and turn it around. And I think they will. I think they'll beat the Bulldogs pretty easily. You know, the Bulldogs are going to be without Matt Burton, without Josh Adokar. They were already a bit, a bit skinny and they're already a bit vulnerable defensively on the edges of the ruck, which the Sharks can be so good at punishing. Um, but like it, when the, when the sharks win this and win it pretty well, I don't know if it's going to, it won't change how I feel about it. I don't think it'll change how no. he feels about them. Cause these are the games where they've done really well in the past, you know, and I think they're going to bounce back and, 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 and get a bit of that confidence back, but them sort of picking off teams. They're worse than is like shelling peace for them. They're really good at it. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold Train Cup. And I do not shell peas in the Cold Train Cup, but I think I will be <laughs> getting a win this week. Uh, Sharks yeah. at home against the Dogs team without their two best players. Doesn't get much more obvious than that. Handsome Toby named on the extended bench as well. Be good to see him back. Uh, of course, they're not going to have Royce Hunt for a few weeks. So, yeah, that, that's not great for them. They, they're still, yeah. This you're right, mate. This isn't going to change how anyone feels about the Sharks. 
even me, who's been one of their biggest cheerleaders in all of, of, of sports media in the last couple of years, I, 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 you don't have to be, you don't have to be sort of a genius to see the flaws in this team. And none of those flaws are going to be exposed in this game when they just sort of meander their way up and down the park, scoring a bunch of cool tries. Well, I, I guess the one thing that you would be looking for is that return to form. Cause yeah. I think Canterbury, while they are extremely undermanned, they do have a bit of ticker about them. That's um, true. They always play particularly, tough. Particularly early on. And if the Sharks don't go into those good habits that we have seen in some of their matches this year, I think there's a chance that that Canterbury could, you know, give him a bit of a scare. I don't think yeah. that's that's going to happen. I, I would hope that Cronulla's pride was really stung by what happened last week and that they'll be able to come around and, and, and give him a bit of the business. But um, having said that, if they don't come correct, Canterbury might be able to give him a scare, but... We'll have we'll have to wait and see. I like the return of tall Tom Hazelton on the bench. That's good stuff. He should be in this team every single week. The big bald boy himself. Feels like he gets balder every week. Do you think he grows his hair during the week and then, and then shaves he- it? Like he grows it just so he can shave it off. Not in yeah. like a not in a weird sort of perverted way, just because he hates hair so much. Yeah, I mean we can't rule it out at this point. We really can't. But uh, yeah, uh, I think he could have a nice game here. I think that they'll well, should be would, able to get this done. I would hope. I would hope that he's in the team for the rest of the year. I know that they're obsessed with the experience that Fernukin and McInnes give them, but Hazelton has to be there every week for mine. Yeah, me too. I agree with that. And yeah, so it's funny they lose Hunt, but they probably get Rudolph back. So it just seems like they're doomed to not have their full strength forward back at any point. So. But, I do uh, want to. I do want to apologise to Carl Olipau really quickly when we were talking about no, don't double Luke down. Brooks on the Monday show, and we said he might go to the Dogs. I just completely spaced on no, Carl. Berto can which, play in the centres, his best position, which wasn't so. which wasn't fair because he set up that really nice try on the Monday, which uh, we did mention. <laughs> I, know, I know it was just. I don't know. Even, no, no, don't apologise. The best, if the best can get him wrong, so can the worst. What the hell is this? Since when do you apologize for opinions? Get the hell I apologize out of here. all the time, dude. It's the Catholic guilt. Uh, all right. Well, at least someone in the Catholic Church is apologizing for something. Wow. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Simi Renrandra. Absolutely buried it. All right. Uh, what uh, what other news is there uh, this week? Um, I like that Felice Capusi is playing for the Redcliffe Dolphins in his first Queensland Cup game in 2,500 days. That's pretty cool. That's mm. I, like It's clear they're just doing it to get some minutes into him and all that sort of thing, but it's still very good, a very old school move. And anytime a Dolphin can play for a team that's actually called Redcliffe, it's getting mm. big thumbs up. Have you? Me. Can you name the last Q Cup game he played in? Oh wow! Um, was it pre his NRL debut? No, it was twenty. Uh, uh, no, it was twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay, so he was at the Storm at yep. that time, and their feeder club for a thousand years was the North Devils. But I think it might have been the Sunny Coast Falcons. It by was. That it was. So I'll say it was Sunshine Coast against. Now this this you're just guessing, but win yeah. manly. I'm guessing Ooh, that second part. It was the Townsville Blackhawks. Ah, those. those Who could damn forget Blackhawks. that Queensland Cup semi-final victory? That famous win. Where were you uh, when uh, uh, when the Falcons and the Blackhawks went to war? Ooh, was I? Where, yeah, I was. No, I was. I hadn't gone to America yet. No, I was in. I was in Sydney, probably. If I had to guess, it was probably just a week before my beloved Cronulla Sharks won the comp. So yeah, it would have been a day of your life. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, we did mention Royce Hunt there briefly, but uh, he's ex- he he's expected to have a lengthy stint on the sidelines. Um, not great news for Cronulla, but again, like, has he been playing that well for them? He's no, he's taken a massive step back this year. I I was so impressed with him over the back sort of third of last season. Then I thought he was really good in the World Cup again, but I think he's one of those blokes who's really struggled without a proper preseason. Um, and it's, it was getting to the point where I wasn't sure why. He was still in first grade. I actually think the more pertinent thing from that is Christian Welch getting suspended for this week. We touched on how the Tigers probably have an edge in the middle of the field on the storm. If Welch was there, that's probably not the case because they just have another really solid body in there. So given that they were always going to rely on him heavily, um, they were, seeing as they were without their origin guys, a rare misstep from our beloved Christian Welch. Mm. Um. So what's going on here? So the, 
uh, the North's Devils are joining up with the Dolphins from 2024. So that they've been Broncos affiliates for 16 years. Maybe we should add someone who watches the Queensland Cup more closely than you or I do, which is anyone in Queensland, um, to to explain this. But that seems like it's a big deal. Some people seem pretty. Some people at Broncos seem pretty pretty annoyed. I don't. I, I don't know. I I read a really good article on the Marone Observer, which is yep. run by. Our good friend, Liam Callahan, you might know him in another life as Pythago NRL. He's one of the smartest minds writing about footy today. And he's particularly perceptive about um, sort of local Queensland stuff, which is something that unless you're from Queensland, it can be difficult to get a bit of a grasp on. Mm. But he kind of just said it, it, it makes sense for North's Devils who are in the northern part of Brisbane, if you can believe that. To be affiliated oh, with slow Redcliffe, down, slow down. Copernicus. To be affiliated with Redcliffe, who are also kind of in that general area, so it's about setting Redcliffe up as the north side team, and then the Broncos can sort of settle in as the south side team. Um, but there you go. Just earlier, I said North Devils were affiliated with the Storm for a long time. It hasn't been that way for sixteen years. <laughs> there you go. Well, they you made go. you look quite the fool. I will. And I can't have a grasp of of local footy matters in Sydney and the MacArthur area, and Queensland. I'm only one man. No, you definitely can't. Um, I do love that every time like when we're doing the news section, I do open like all the all the websites to just find news stories. And in, in amongst the ones that are interesting to talk about, there's always like, I just love those stories that are like, oh yeah, Shane Flanagan wants to re-sign Ben Hunt. It's like, wow, who does who he? Wouldn't? Does he really? <laughs> like, oh, um, D- D- Dean, Mariner's, Dean Mariner's hoping to play for the Broncos again. It's like, oh. Fantastic. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Dean? Yes. Aren't we all? So yeah, I love that. Uh, I got no other news. What do you think? I think that's about it. Yeah. A solid hour that we did, which given we only had five games, uh, you know, we did all right. We did okay. Uh, before we get out of here, thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash Anurban Rookies, you'll get a third show every week. Uh, the Question Time podcast, as well as access to our Discord server, um, merchandise discounts, and plenty more. So thank you too. Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, cementing the churn of ignorance. Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, for sale. Nelson, a soft three-seat sofa. Contact Shane. Frankie, Horsborough, Scorsborough, Jace Felix, Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks the outs out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Matty Jenkins, Marooned Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift, my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Howdy, Was, and Westlife's Podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Yeah, churn of ignorance. That's that's the combat vehicle's latest. Um, I asked him if it was a shot at us getting so much stuff wrong last week. He mm. said it wasn't. Oh, well, that's it's nice. Churn, churn of ignorance is just a phrase he enjoys. But we get so much stuff wrong. I am I am enjoying uh, combat vehicle and Nelson a sofa three. I nailed whatever. that, by the way. You did. You did really well on that. Thank you. I am liking. I am liking the the weekly changes from them. Keeps yeah, more of you do it. More of you do it. Chuckle. Make Bungard say weird stuff. He'll yeah, do it. Yeah, that's fine. Apart, do it. Unless it slanders like Link or Poppy Bungard, I'll say anything. So it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, like unless you're the anonymous backer, Doc Hog, um, the Black Vegetable, or Mister Beefy, all of you feel. Oh, my yeah. Ding Ding Dong, of course. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, that's the that's the those, the are, those are those are the core guys. Yeah. The rest of you feel free. The rest to of you get change it up. It. Change it up as much as you like. Yeah. Oh, and also if you if you change it to something starting with a Y or a Z, you get the you get the the last name. Little, little life hack for you, or you can get to be, get to be the closer. Yeah, the, it's a lot of pressure. Not everyone's ready. <laughs> it, was, it was was for a long time, but Westlife's podcast has gazumped him in the last and few it's weeks. Thrown so. down the gauntlet. But look, I mean, and, it, it's, it does, and it's and it's black, gold, and white. It does feel it does feel natural that something associated with West is last. But oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I am sorry, but it was right there. You can't just give me a tap in. Anyway, let's get the hell out of here. All right, uh, try to enjoy the limited amount of rugby league we have this weekend, everybody, and we will be back on. Monday, Nick, to preview Origin. Maybe Tuesday. Yep. We'll be back no, at we'll, some point. We'll be, right? we'll be we'll be back either Monday or Tuesday. You don't with, worry um, about it. We'll worry about that. <laughs> similar thing to Game One. We'll have a big Origin preview, maybe with a guest. Maybe we'll review the round. Then we'll have an Origin review that will go live on Thursday. Plus mm. a question time. Plus mm. a weekly preview that goes live on the Friday. Origin weeks are big. You know how Origin work weeks, man. How Origin week works. It's lots of podcasts. Lots of saying stuff. More opportunities to be loud and incorrect. I love being loud. Favorite things to be. It's fantastic. Uh, 
And apologies if any of you heard Link barking in the background when the when the postman came. I'll try to edit the most of that out, but a bit might might have crept in when Camper was talking about how bald Tom Hazelton was. But uh, we move on. We 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 will get through it together. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs>